The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome to Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Join your host, who is a multiple number one international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer. She's the founder of Genuinely Hyphen You and has 30 years experience of helping people step into their genuine, authentic power. And now, here is Gina Gardner, your host of Leadership for Life. Hello there and welcome to today's show. Got a great show for you. Today the theme is all about confrontation and, and conflict resolution. When, when you watch the news or you listen to people, there's so much conflict around, so many people who are struggling with relationships, whether that's personal or professional. There are many people who hold their tongue, they bite down on their tongue rather than say something because they want to avoid the confrontation rather than seeing it as confronting the issue and being able to do it calmly. What happens is that they say nothing and say nothing and they get more and more angry and frustrated and then they let rip. Now, I have a very special guest for you in the second part of the show. My, my guest, Jane Gunn, is a great speaker She's known as the barefoot mediator, and we'll find out after the break um, why she's called the barefoot mediator. And she's going to share her experience in conflict resolution. She enables people to deal with the difference and diversity in ways that are non-adversarial and solution focused. But before I invite Jane to join me, I want us to think about the difference between what is being confrontational and what is confronting the issue? Because for me, they're entirely different things. Being able to tell people that what they're doing um, isn't working for you, that that doesn't fit with your values, that it's not acceptable. Dealing with that situation, confronting the issue, doesn't have to be aggressive um, at all. It doesn't have to be confrontational. But it does require you to manage your own emotions first and to be prepared to speak out. And I think it's having the techniques to speak out in a way that that doesn't rub people up the wrong way, doesn't make things worse, is an incredibly useful skill, both in the family, a relationship, you know, your personal relationships, friendships and so on, but also in the workplace. How often do you find yourself in situations that you're upset about or that you don't like and you let it go because you think actually I don't know how to deal with this it feels too difficult or because you think well this is going to turn into a row and so I better say nothing you know so often I work with guests who when I ask they talk about something that's been upsetting them something that really is at odds with their core values I'm not talking about trivial stuff here, but really important issues. And I ask them, what have you done about it? And the answer is very often nothing. 
And when we start to unpick it, there are a number of reasons why people do nothing. I think one of the major reasons is that fear that if I say something, things will escalate and I won't know how to manage it. Or I don't know what to say or when to say it. Or that person that I'm going to talk to, I feel as if they're more important or more powerful than me. And so I'm on the back foot, I don't want to say anything. Ultimately, swallowing what you need to say, letting things pass, it's fine if it, it, you can compromise, but it isn't fine if you feel you are being compromised. Now, there's quite a subtle difference for many people when I say that. But when we compromise, there's a give and take on both sides. We negotiate. But when we feel that we are being compromised or our core values are being compromised, that has a very, very different feel to it. And in so many relationships, one or other of the partners or within the workplace, somebody feels as if their values are being compromised. And when that happens, if it happens over a period of time, it can really eat into your sense of well-being. It can create huge levels of stress and frustration and ultimately lead to you being unwell. Far better to see yourself as having the power to be able to speak your truth. Now, it's really important in terms of how you do it. I'm really interested to talk to Jane after the break in terms of her techniques. And she has huge experience of working in the business setting with people. But for me, ultimately, it is about having a neutral voice, a neutral body language. Remember, 50 plus percent of our, our communication is through our body language. So if we're saying with our mouths, that's OK, but our body language is saying, oh, dear, that's not OK, then the message will get through, even if the words belie that uh, what you're saying. And so recognizing that we energetically send those messages to people. But if we're not prepared to take action, not prepared to speak out, then we have to put up with what, what happens. So for me, it's neutral. It's about recognizing that when you go into a situation that you have the power to say in a very non-combative way, when you do that, um, I find it difficult. And criticizing the behavior rather than the person and recognizing that the tone of voice that you use, so long as you are, have something to say and you say it clearly and state your case without the whine, the moan, the poor me, that then leaves the other person with less room to wriggle. They can't catch on to the tone of your voice and complain about that because if it's a neutral tone there's nothing for them to get hold of but so often we find and we've talked about you know habitual patterns of behavior that one person triggers another and they respond by biting back and that triggers the behavior in the second person and you end up with this competition as to who can actually shout the loudest or or be the nastiest Every moment of every day, 
you're going to come into situations where there'll be people who don't believe the same as you or don't act in the same way as you or don't do what you want them to do. You can choose whether you spend your whole life being combative or ignoring the situation and being a victim to it, or you can charge, you can choose to take charge and to deal with the situation and to deal with it well. If you're in the business situation, then it gets even more complicated in the sense that there's often far more people who are involved. And ultimately, if you have a boss who is difficult to deal with, then you have or have the whole range of beliefs about, well, I can't tell them they're my boss. Although that's true in the personal life. A number of times I've had somebody say, I can't say that to my parents, I'll upset them. And yet when they take courage and they say it in the right way, they find that they have nothing to fear. We're going to stop for a short break now. And after the break, I'm going to introduce Jane Gunn to you, the barefoot mediator. And we're going to explore her take on how you can deal with difference and diversity in ways that are non-adversarial and solution focused. So don't go away. We'll see you in a minute. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-u.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Hello there. I'm so excited to be able to introduce Jane Gunn to you. Before I do, I want you to read her bio. It's amazing. 
Jane Gunn is an expert in the field of conflict resolution, a trained mediator and facilitator known to her clients as the Barefoot Mediator. She is the author of two popular books, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, and The Authority Guide to Conflict Revolution. She has spoken at United Nations, the White House, and the European Commission. Jane helps people in all walks of life to become resolutionaries, teaching them the basic skills of mediation. She enables people to deal with difference and diversity in ways that are non-adversarial and solution-focused. Her mission is to create a tribe of barefoot mediators equipped to lead and inspire others in times of change, challenge and crisis. And we've never found a time that needs it more than now, I don't think. She's a powerful message supported by practical tools and techniques that apply to organisations of all sizes across all sectors. So without more ado, I'd like to welcome Jane. Hi, Gina. Hello there, and thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for the introduction. So, a barefoot mediator, how does somebody become not only a mediator, but a barefoot mediator? Well, I guess there's two answers to that, Gina. I've become the barefoot mediator <laughs> simply because this time last year, the beginning of lockdown, I turned all my work uh, online as we both have done and I was doing my mediations, mediating between clients here in my office with their feet. So I was breaking <laughs> the ice with my clients and I said, I'm the barefoot mediator. Then later in the day, I was on a webinar and I got introduced as the barefoot mediator. So I thought, well, this is a title. It's stuck now. Um, what is it? And I researched the term a little bit and um, various people have used the term barefoot. One of the more famous was the barefoot doctor. And the term barefoot doctors came originally from China, uh, where the people who lived in the rural communities couldn't access the hospitals in the cities very easily. And so they started training, if you like, paramedics, but people within the country communities to be able to minister health. So I thought, well, a barefoot mediator would be doing the same. It would be people who are able to use the skills of mediation within their own life and their own communities. So that's um, that's a short a summary of what barefoot mediation means to me. <laughs> So thank you. And interesting for me, barefoot, there's an authenticity about that, isn't there? Yeah. That you that you are yeah. there being you, being genuine. And Absolutely. I think that's really powerful. But can you share with us how, I mean, bearing in mind that you've worked with so many people and you've spoken um, in places where there's real influence. Tell us your story. How did you come from, as an adult, to be doing this? I fell into law. I seem to fall into everything I do, even being a barefoot mediator, Gina. I fell into law, which was not something I'd seen myself doing. And I worked as a, a lawyer originally, um, becoming a commercial property lawyer. Then when I had two daughters in the time, then it wasn't so easy, obviously, to work part time and remotely. So I stopped doing that for a while to look after my children. And then when it came time to go back to work, I thought, I wonder if there's something else. Now, two things had happened to me. Um, a short story here is that I was in my library locally looking for a book, a recipe book, and a book fell on my head. 
And this is the book that fell on my head. This is a paperback, but it was a hardback. Now, this book is called Love, Medicine and Miracles by Dr. Bernie Siegel. He is an American cancer specialist. And in this book, Dr. Bernie Siegel was describing his story with medicine and how he had become frustrated with the practice of medicine because it was all about the symptoms and the patient and the and the um the statistics and everything and he and he he wanted to say i want to put the needs of my patient at the heart of my practice as medicine and basically he's saying in that book i want to practice love i want to understand what's going on under the surface for patients now that just rang a bell with me and i thought the clients that come to us as lawyers have similar issues going yeah. on in their life why are we not exploring that why are we going to court and fighting about or why are we being adversarial about what their problem is so that became my mission then can we put this approach of uh, exploring the needs interests fears and concerns of our clients at the heart of our legal practice it was in the early days of what we now call mediation in the early 1990s yeah. but it was a growing movement, if you like. So I leapt into mediation at that stage. And now you work with a whole range of, of businesses. Um, does it matter what size or what sort or what industry? Not at all, Gina. I mean, people are always saying to me, why don't you niche your business, you know, identify the avatar of your client? I say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's a human being who has issues of conflict. And you talked to when you kindly introduced me about my book called How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. Now, the reason for that was when I work with chief, chief executives or high level professionals, they say to me, actually, uh, yes, I've got things going on in the boardroom, but I've also got tension at home or those are feeding into one another, you know, because I'm not happy yeah. at work. I take that home with me and vice versa. And then I realize that it doesn't matter at what level you're working. It doesn't matter whether it's within your family, within your organization, or whether we're talking globally, the principles of conflict resolution and mediation are the same worldwide and no matter what size the issue you're dealing with. I think that's so true. I mean, we are the common denominator. We take ourselves into every moment. People who've listened to the show have heard me say this endless times. <laughs> and I find it quite interesting how we compartmentalize and say this is business and this is personal when the principles so often are the same. Yes, absolutely. So could you give us uh, uh, some examples of the sort of of common conflicts that you're brought in to deal with? So if you take a workplace, and particularly at the moment, I think people are um, rather disconnected and miscommunicating. At, at the core, it comes back to expectations. Mm -hmm. So many of my clients will have employment contracts, they'll have a contract with a, a supplier or provider, but underneath that lies what you might call uh, an implied contract. So that's an express contract. It's in writing and we've signed it. But we also have an implied or a psychological contract. What did I think was actually going to happen? How did I think I was going to be treated? How did I think the culture was going to be around here? All sorts yeah. of things that we have expectations about that we perhaps haven't been explicit about and then we become disappointed, tension and issues arise. And as you said in your introduction, we don't know how to deal with those. 
it strikes me that we have a blueprint for pretty well everything. And so many people assume that, the, that, that, that everyone's got the same blueprint. And there is very often a mismatch. Mm. And it strikes me that then you have the, the issue of people are speaking the same words, but they mean slightly different things. So how you, you're in a, an organization, there, there's a mismatch of expectations. What approach do you take with them? Well, I tend to approach things on two levels. Quite often, Gina, I'm called in at a crisis point. So yes. there may be two or three individuals or perhaps a team who aren't really getting on and they need to explore what that is. Mm -hmm. So I probably come in, it doesn't really matter what title I'm given, but quite often I come in as a mediator, as a neutral, as you said, and I help them to explore what's this about, where did it arise from, what are some other possible solutions how are you going to resolve it? And that's me very much as a facilitator, empowering, but not taking over, not supplanting them, but giving them the opportunity just to explore some options there. Then on the wider level, what I really like to do with an organisation is say, how could you stop this happening again? How could you implement uh, or instigate within your organisation a framework, a blueprint, something that would help you have a systematic process so that anybody at any level in the organisation would know uh, when an issue arises, here's what we do, here's the first step, here's the second step, here's the third mm -hmm. step. And even today I was talking to a client I was working with and we were talking about implementing this kind of system um, from here on in their organisation. It sounds to me, in many ways, listening to it, it sounds such common sense. And yet, I don't know about you, but I find sense isn't very common often, particularly when emotions start to run high. Yes. Um, and then you know, things that if people were able to take a step back, they would look at it and, and have a very different perspective. They're so caught up in the emotion of what's going on that they lose that perspective. Absolutely, Gina. One of the things we talk about in mediation is called the emotional barometer. And yeah. when your emotions are high, your logic is low. You know, in other words, your brain is hijacked. It's hijacked yeah. by, you know, we know these sort of hormones and, and so on that take over. And all you can think about is, you know, how to respond to the conflict, how to respond emotionally. And thinking about something logic, it just goes out the window. Yeah. So one of the techniques for mediation is to think, how do I manage that emotion within myself as well as within others? Because we've all got to be yeah. um, managing our emotions. So we have to think of techniques for managing emotions and enabling us to sort of express them, not to bury them, to express the emotions, but then also to think, how do we move through that to thinking logically about the way forward? What are the things that get in the way of that? Um, the biggest thing, I suppose, is ego, really, Gina, you know, people's ego. There's one of the things I talk about a lot in mediation is we have the es the conflict escalator. So conflict escalates yeah. uh, quite rapidly, actually, from the time where people stop uh, talking well, you know, communicating effectively. Yes. Uh, then they tend to uh, gather supporters of their story, tell their story, retell their story, perhaps issue threats and so on. But as you get to the end of this escalator, there's two final stages. 
Uh, one is I don't want to lose face. Mm -hmm. And that becomes quite predominant in the desire of the parties. I don't want to lose face in front of not only the other people in this conflict, but other people I've told my story to. Yeah. And the final step, Gina, is called into the abyss together. Oh, right. <laughs> if we don't resolve things or if we stick too hard to our ego, we both end up in the abyss. We lose everything or we lose yeah. a lot. One of the things that I say very often to people is being having the need to be seen to be right. Yes. Is highly overrated. Yes. And how many people lose the war. Um, because they have got caught up in the battle of needing to be seen to be right. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting because when when people actually get that and recognise that it's that that primeval, you know, there's that our sense of our survival mm. is tied up with our ego, isn't it? Mm, and and the need to be be right. Yeah. Um, and for many people, they would rather, you know, cut their nose off to spite their face than be seen to be um, backing down. And of course, Gina, our society is set up very much like that. Certainly the legal profession is set up to mm -hmm. say, you know, let's prove in law who's right or wrong. Yeah. Uh, even at school, you know, we have to come with the right facts and the right statistics and so on. We're not allowed sometimes to question or be curious or to wonder if there's a third way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's black and white, right or wrong. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's embedded into our culture as much as it is into our yeah. and our survival instincts. <laughs> I think you're right. I'd be really interested to explore with you, you know, if people are listening to this, maybe, you know, whether it's within a family or a relation, a personal relationship or in a business context, you know, the ideal situation is to, uh, if you don't mind me saying so, is to make you redundant because mm -hmm. people are getting on. Of mm -hmm. course, you'll find plenty of other things to do. Just don't, don't want you to be out of a job. <laughs> but ultimately, if people set things up well, the need for conflict resolution and for mediation is minimised, isn't it? Absolutely. And that's really from, from the beginning, Gina, has been my passion. You know, I always talk about it as a window of opportunity. Any conflict has a catalyst. It starts here and it ends somewhere over here, however well or disastrously it ends. But in that gap is what I call a window of opportunity. And the earlier you can catch something as a tension or an issue rather than a conflict or a dispute, yeah. the better. So actually, I don't think I'm redundant. I just come in earlier, at <laughs> <laughs> an earlier stage. Come and train them not to have the conflict. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's very much what Barefoot Mediation is about. It's let's understand these essential skills that you don't need to be a commercial mediator you can apply them yourself if only you knew what they were and you can set up a system around it i now call it a map um that you can do it yourself and then you don't need a mediator and you don't reach crisis point <laughs> i love this phrase of yours resolutionaries and the fact yeah. that that you uh, your, your goal is to set up a uh, a tribe of resolutionaries can you just talk to that really because it sounds to me as if that could be such a powerful tool to 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 make some of the changes that really need to be made i think we talk a lot about being a revolutionary and what kind of you know what revolution 
are we going through at the moment? And we've talked about sort of stages of human development, you know, the agricultural revolution and the IT revolution. And I think, I honestly think we're in a stage of revolution now mm. where we need to understand these principles even more than ever of how we yeah. communicate and how we resolve conflict you talked about in the beginning. And so I just um, thought of this term of resolutionary. Couldn't we be resolutionaries rather than revolutionaries? Because this could be the era of the resolutionary. This could be the resolutionary era that we're entering into. And frankly, if it isn't, I think <laughs> I think we're going to be in huge trouble globally. Yes. Because, you know, you can see and we can feel this tension globally that we do all need these resolutionary skills to be able to collaborate right now. Yes. And your tribe, is it something that is um, in the planning stage or is it, does it actually, is it happening? How it's actually it happening. Out? So having sat here a year ago with Bare Feet and joked about being the Barefoot Mediator, I have created a programme. Uh, it's running with uh, key leadership, senior leadership teams. Uh, we started the first cohort of Barefoot Mediators uh, actually yesterday the course is up and running Brilliant. and we have uh, other courses running in June and September for which we've already got waiting lists isn't that amazing that's fabulous isn't it because for me prevention is always better than cure uh, mm. and the more people who you have who who have the skills and the confidence to do that um, the energetic sort of flow from that is that it spreads out like a stone being thrown into a pond and it rippling out doesn't it Absolutely, Jen. And I've been amazed at how people are attracted to this concept. You know, it's it, it is rippling out and people are mentioning it to people. Even yesterday, with literally within five minutes of finishing the first session, people were posting on LinkedIn and more people were coming to say, this is what I need right now and this is what we need right now. So I think there's something there that uh, is yeah. needed in the world right now. I think it's brilliant. And one of the things that I'd love to see is young people, um, you know, at school being given those skills so that as they move into the workplace, that they come ready, prepared, rather than having to learn the hard way yes. um, how to deal with things. I think so, Gina. I watched um, I watched a YouTube video today, which was exploring how young people are struggling with the skills of communication and connection, um, partly enhanced by this period they've spent in lockdown, where all of us have been tied to our screens and phones yes. more. But for yeah. young people who are still developing their ability to communicate and establish their skills that has been a real challenge and I think we do need to help young people with these skills specifically. It's an interesting time that we live in now we've got just a few minutes left so I'd like to can you tell us more about your two books and also you know how people get hold of you and, and yes. um, you know where they can find you and what you can do for them. Absolutely. So thank you so much, Gina. The first book, uh, as I mentioned, How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom, um, that is available on Amazon and as a Kindle. So um, uh, and it's it's supposed to be quite a fun book, easy to read, doesn't take very long, full of cartoons. It was the first book 
I think, in, in this kind of world of, of commercial mediation, which had some cartoons in it. I wanted to make it fun and approachable. The second book is this one, The Authority Guide to Conflict Resolution. It's really a pocketbook. And it is the companion guide to this course I've just developed so that people get that if they come on the course. But it's really designed to be, again, very simple. You could read it in an hour, but it's got the absolutely basic essential skills. It's based on 16 questions that my clients kept asking me about even starting about what is conflict? You know, why don't I behave as I would like to? How do I listen better? Those kind of questions. And they're all in that little book. And then if people want to find me, I'm simply jane at janegun.co.uk. Uh, my website is janegun.co.uk. Uh, and I'm happy to forward uh, details about my work and in particular about barefoot mediation to anybody who's interested. That sounds absolutely brilliant. Thank you. Um, we're going to talk about B1G1 in a moment, but I just want to say a huge thank you. And, you know, I was listening to the news this morning and almost every news um, section was full of conflict and hatred and division mm -hmm. and it just seemed to me that, you, that having you on the show at this point was so right because one of the things I hope that everybody will take from this show, today's show, is that you have the opportunity to resolve conflicts before they start by setting things up properly. But ultimately, you know, taking some of the steps that you've shared and, and so have, and those I have, you know, you can choose to escalate these things or you can choose to have a, a calm conversation and state your point of view without being a victim, without being aggressive, um, and actually have an open conversation and look for a win-win, you know, not I win, you lose, or you win, I lose, but something where we can both feel really comfortable um, and move forward, having got to know each other better. So thank you very much for that. Now, those of you that are listening, um, I genuinely, you as a proud member of B1G1, buy one, give one. And the principle of it is that um, the organization identifies a whole range of projects around the world which are vetted and then businesses can um, contribute and things are broken down to make it very easy to do so and affordable. And there's a sister charity that actually raises all of the money to run the charity. So anything that you give to B1G1 goes directly to one of the projects. And so I started, uh, I became a member in January. And so for every guest, we um, donate some, they call them impacts. Um, and your impact that you've chosen is all about education, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yes. So if you hold on um, with the wonders of technology, <laughs> uh, hold on a minute. Um, so this is... Um, Zimbabwe is faced with widespread poverty and lack of opportunity, especially for the young, and education can be the solution. And so this is going to be about paying for several children to have uh, tuition in primary school um, on your behalf. And anyone who owns a business, if you uh, look at the links within the show notes and join B1G1, if you could use uh, my code, then um, we get to see how many impacts the show is making. For every 100 people who listen, 
we give free meals um, to hungry people. So even in, a, in just by listening or watching, you are contributing. So Jane, thank you so much for giving up your time and sharing your expertise with me. It's been an absolute joy. Um, thank you very much. Thank you, Gina. I've really enjoyed it and appreciate the opportunity to speak to your very wonderful audience. Thank you. Thank you. Don't go away. We haven't finished yet. We'll see you after the break. You have been listening to Gina Gardner on Leadership for Life. We'll be back after this quick break. Want to get the best out of life personally and professionally? Are you ready to step into a life which excites and fulfills you? Well, the right place for you is Leadership for Life with Gina Gardner on W4CY Radio and Talk4TV. We will share with you stories from inspiring people a wide range of guest experts, and lots of practical strategies to help you get the very best out of your personal and professional life. Leadership for Life is a radio and TV show focused on helping you live a happier, more successful, and fulfilling life. Join international best-selling author, motivational speaker, empowerment and transformational leadership coach and trainer, Gina Gardner, live every Thursday 1 p.m. Eastern Time on W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV. Become the leader of your own life. Gina Gardner's number one international best-selling book, Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success, and Fulfillment, provides you with the foundational principles on which to become the best leader of your own life. It's available as an ebook, paperback, hardback, and as an audio from genuinely-you.com or also from Amazon. Every one of the principles have been proven to work for the countless people who have used them, including the author. Now, let's put them to work for you. If you're ready to discover your true leadership life design, accelerate your journey with an invitation to join Gina for a Leadership for Life VIP Day. Choose your journey of self-discovery where Gina will help you navigate your way to happiness, success, and fulfillment. To find out more, email gina at genuinely-u.com. Welcome back to Leadership for Life. Here is your host, Gina Gardner. Welcome back. I wanted to spend the rest of the show looking at the conflict that many people feel with themselves. You know, I've had several conversations this week with clients, very successful from the outside, holding down really responsible jobs, or that they have a business of their own, successful people who have huge inner conflicts, who have that voice in their head who's constantly telling them that they're not good enough, or they can't do something, or that they are of no worth, they're of no value. And it just seems to me that, that the first relationship, the most important relationship that we have with anyone is that with ourselves. But if you are in conflict with who you are, if you haven't owned authentically, genuinely who you are, that's going to set up a huge amount of stress and conflict and difficulty. And the problem with that is there's no escape because you take you wherever you go. So 
if you're someone who has that nag voice in your head telling you you should have done this you shouldn't have done that why did you do this why didn't you do that you have to then think about the relationship that you have with you now one of my clients great writer um, and does some amazing work has sent me um, the proof of her the draft of her book to read and I've been reading it and 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 you know one of the things that struck me is, as I wrote it, uh, read it, is the theme throughout it is how do you make that great friendship with yourself? How do you live in harmony with you and who you are? And, you know, I've done a lot of work with people around helping them become their own best friend. Now, it's a principle that I use because it's quite simple in its construct. So it starts off by saying, I'd ask you the question, if you've got a really great friend, how do you treat them? Do you treat them well? Do you look after them? Are you kind to them? If they did something that you didn't like, would you go on and on at them? Do you have higher standards for them than you do for other people? Because you can bet your bottom dollar if you're someone who's struggling, having conflicts within your own skin, then the chances are that you've got one set of um, criteria that you use for other people. And if they did something um, that you would praise them and tell them well done, but when you've done it, that you dismiss it. And I think it's so important that we are aware of the stories that we create. You know, the human race is very good at stories. Since man lived in caves, we've liked stories. And I'm reminded, you know, Jane was talking before the break about the fact that people will tell other people when things um, aren't going right. And they've done a lot of research about this. And we've spoken about this before on the show. You know, on average, we tell 37 people when something goes wrong, but only five when things go right. And part of the problem with that is that every time we tell the story of things going wrong, we tend to embellish it. And we believe, begin to believe the embellishments. Now, not looking after yourself, not having a great relationship with yourself, having that inner conflict about, am I worthy? Can I do that? Will I fail? I'm no use. I'm an imposter, will people find me out? is all based on a story. So I just think it makes sense that if you're going to write the story of your own life, then at least give yourself a decent part. And if you are struggling, then I would urge you to get some help. Um, and that may be about reading a book and Thriving Not Surviving, The Five Secret Pathways to Happiness, Success and Fulfillment. One of my books, you can find it on the website, genuinely-you or on Amazon. You know, I talk about that relationship with yourself and how you can build a relate, better relationship with yourself. And as I say, one of the techniques is treat yourself as you would a really valued friend. Look after yourself self-care, feed yourself well, take exercise, hydrate, be kind to yourself. And I always make the distinction between being kind and overindulgent. Kind is that you eat healthily. Overindulgent is you have too many chips and um, too much alcohol. 
But ultimately, when you are have that sense of being settled within yourself, owning who you are, being genuine, that's when you really step into your genuine power. And genuine power, as I've said before, is not about diminishing the power of other people. It's accepting that you are the most amazing human being, that you have the experience, expertise, the enthusiasms, the passions, the creativity that you have developed during your lifetime. And so often, things that have happened in, in your youth have an impact even now. And one of the ladies I was talking to yesterday, she was in her 50s. And a, a situation when she was eight was colouring her life now. And it doesn't have to be that way. And within a very short space of time, within an hour, we had um, helped her move past that. Now, is the job completely done? Well, it's not embedded, but we've made a great start. And so think about the relationship you have with you. How often are you in conflict with yourself? And one of the things that I think, well, the self-worth is a big one. But I think one of the other areas is if you are living a life where you are not in line with your core values, that sets up that inner conflict with, I'm doing this because perhaps that's what a job that I do that earns me money. But actually, I'm being asked to do things that I don't agree with, or I'm living in a, a work culture that um, is fairly toxic, and I don't want to do it. And I'm reminded of the book uh, Lost Connections by Johan Hari, who talks about depression. It's a great book if you haven't read it. And he uh, interviewed a guy who was mixing paint. And he, for eight hours a day, mixed paint. And he hated it. He absolutely loathed it. And he was unhappy and stressed and depressed and anxious. And so the, Johan, when he was doing the research, said to the guy, what would you rather do? And he said... I'd like to buy a boat and I'd like to um, fish for shrimp. That's that's my, my goal. That's what I'd love to do. And he said, what's stopping you? And the guy drove a Mercedes. And the reasoning that he gave, and it may not be the whole reason, but the reason he gave is I'd have to give up my Mercedes. And that's how I know I've been successful. For him, that Mercedes was his symbol of success, but he was prepared to put himself through eight hours a day, five days a week, however many weeks you work in America, um, because you have less holidays than we do in the UK, year after year after year. And as a result of that, the guy was incredibly depressed. So part of this is taking responsibility for your choices and, you know, knowing that you can make different choices. But at the same time, recognizing that you may have to give up the story. And that guy's story was that he was only important because he had a Mercedes. When the reality is he is likely to have been so much happier and more fulfilled doing the thing that he'd always dreamed of. Another example is a client I was working with last week who was in an organization where the way in which they operated um, felt disingenuous that the sales patter 
that the client was being asked to, to use in terms of selling a product, when the product was something that was subpar and they didn't believe in the product, and they were feeling very, very unhappy and uncomfortable about what they felt was, was telling lies. And so you've got a choice. Your choice is that you go to your boss and say, you know, we need to do something about this to make the product better so that we can actually talk the truth. Or to come to the realization that maybe that wasn't the right place. Now, of course, in times of recession, losing the job is a big thing. But I'm not talking about giving the job up that day, but actually choosing to look for an alternative where you can live within your values, where there's not that inner conflict, I think would make all the difference. So if you've got a conflict because you haven't dealt with past baggage, whether it's abuse or that you didn't do well at school because you um, perhaps had um, a, a, a problem with re reading and writing, that you were dyslexic, or that you have got a problem with your relationships, that you're just unhappy, please reach out. You know, there are lots of things that can help you. You don't have to put up with it. And the other thing is that if you have themes that you would like us to cover in the show, please email me, Gina at genuinely hyphen and the word you.com. That's Gina at genuinely hyphen you.com. And I'll do my best to find an expert. Um, and I and the expert will then help you. So please do let us know what you think of the show. Remember everybody that you get to listen or watch the TV version or the radio version, um, every hundred people, then we give a set of free meals. Please encourage other people to watch the show um, and let us know what you think. But thank you very much for joining us and recognize that you have the power to be the leader of your own life. Join me next week. But in the meantime, remember, you're the leader of your life. Bye-bye now. You have been listening to The Leadership for Life with your host, Gina Gardner. Make sure you tune in to W4CY Radio and Talk 4 TV next Thursday and every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time for more Leadership for Life. If you missed any part of this episode or just want to hear or see it again, you can find the archive of the TV show on Talk 4 TV's YouTube channel and the podcast of The Leadership for Life on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and wherever you listen to your podcast.